beginning. Cool. It looks like awesome. It looks like we are recording. So we will go ahead and get started. Uh, my okay. name is Hunter Myers. I'm going to be the host today. And I'm also the founding creative director of Verger Design Co. And I am so, so, so excited to welcome you here, Erica. So I have Erica Sullivan Fegler, who is the CEO and founder of Low Ultraviolet. Um, so Erica, go ahead and tell us more about who you are and your business. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for kicking everything off. Um, like you said, my name is Erica, and I'm the CEO and founder of Low Ultraviolet. And Low Ultraviolet is a safe and fashionable UPF 50 plus lifestyle brand. And we are really on a mission to help people outshine skin cancer. And I always, you know, kind kind of say that first and foremost, the brand really started as a selfish endeavor. I wanted some protective apparel that I felt comfortable and confident wearing as a 21-year-old woman, and there was nothing on the market. Yeah. <laughs> there just really wasn't. I mean, it was all like athletic apparel or fishing shirts or items that were just very resort driven. And I'm not really like a Lily Pulitzer bright pattern um, kind of girl. So I really kind of started my own my own mission of, okay, how can I solve this for myself? And I found as I was going along, other people were looking for the same thing as well, which was kind of exciting to find a community as I was building a company. I love that. And I love that you were all about making it fashionable. I know that I've looked for some oh some good sun protection clothing and I'm just like, okay, you're kidding me, right? Like this is the only thing that I have to choose from. Oh my goodness. You're not kidding. I mean, it's super interesting. I hear stories all the time about what women were wearing before they found us. And they say, I was wearing my husband's fishing shirt or I was wearing, you know, spandex. I was way too hot. Like I live in Florida. It's way too hot to be able to wear the spandex in the summer. So I just wasn't going outside. I wasn't hiking. I wasn't biking. I wasn't kayaking. I wasn't doing any of the things I love to do. And that for me was a, I was like, no, we have to change that because you shouldn't have to stop living your life on your terms because of a skin cancer diagnosis. You just need the tools to continue living your life and doing all the things you love to do. And thankfully there are so many tools out there now. I mean, the industry is expanding so rapidly and it's been really, really fun kind of spearheading that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know when I was reading your application, you had actually mentioned um, that you had some skin cancer scares yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So my story started on a very, very personal note. I mean, I think a lot of people listening, unfortunately, either they themselves or have a family member or a loved one or someone they know who's been diagnosed with some form of cancer. Um, and for me, that was my mom, my junior year of college was diagnosed with melanoma and I remember getting the phone call. I had just finished up an exam and I was so stressed and so worried. And what if I failed it? What if I what if I messed up an answer? And I remember getting the call from my mom and I heard melanoma and everything else went out of my brain. I mean, nothing gives you context more quickly than having a family member, you know, not be healthy and not be well. And she thankfully took her skin cancer or her skin health into her own hands. And she thought something was wrong. She made an appointment. She was so on top of it that they were able to get everything out um, through just, you know, I don't want to gross people out, but there's multiple kind of treatment plans. And if they can cut it out and get all of it with clean margins, that's honestly what everyone hopes for versus having to go to different treatments. 
And she was very, very fortunate to have, you know, all of it removed. Uh, She had a couple of different cases, but she went to my family. So I'm a big family. I'm um, one of three kids. uh, So a family of five. And she said to us, I mean, hey, listen, you guys have very, very pale skin. You have blue eyes. You have light hair. Now we have a family diagnosis. You need to go get skin checks just for peace Mm. of mind, just to make me feel better. Um, And when a parent says that, you say, of course. (laughs) I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You say, of course. Um, So I, I had my very first skin check two weeks before my 21st birthday. And again, it was for peace of mind because in my head and my knowledge of skin cancer, it was an older older person's thing. It was not something that young women and men had to deal with. It was something that, you know, when you're older, then you then you deal with it. It's an older person's disease. Um, and uh, I had a very sobering moment where I went in for that first skin check and they said, we need to take a biopsy. There is a spot on your back that does not look good. Um, and I, yeah. And I kind of froze because again, my, my internal narrative was I'm doing this for my mom. I'm going to have nothing to worry about. And she, thankfully, my dermatologist was very, very understanding that that was probably overwhelming. Said you can come back and get it, take time to process. Um, so a week later I went back and got the spot biopsied that they didn't get it all. So I had to go back again um, and get it biopsied a second time. And it came back severely atypical. Um, So that basically means they don't know if it's going to evolve into anything, but it definitely has the cells that are already mutating in a way that could easily become cancerous. Um, So like I said, that was two weeks before my 21st birthday. This was right before I was about to go into my senior year of college. And I was just so confused and I just wanted to talk to people who understood. I hadn't heard anyone my age ever talk about skin cancer before besides saying like they had a grandparent who was diagnosed or a parent who was diagnosed. I knew no one my age and it was very, very lonely in a way. I can definitely see that. Well, what I think is interesting as you kind of go through this process is you wind up you know, following this route of entrepreneurship, which can also be kind of a lonely road. So what, what was that like for you? So kind of going from, you know, figuring out that, wow, like I, I may experience this, my mom experienced this, I'm at risk to, Mm -hmm. okay, now I want to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I've always been someone who wants to change the world for the better. I learned the term, um, entrepreneurship probably when I was a teenager. And I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. Like I want to be a part of that. And I always would have these big ideas and I would pitch them to my then boyfriend, now husband. And he would say, honey, like Erica, these are fantastic ideas, but I cannot help you with these. Like you need to go somewhere and take these ideas to people who can help you build them. Um, and at that time, like I mentioned, I was a senior in college. So I was at Virginia Tech, go Hokies. Um, and I entered an entrepreneurship challenge with this idea. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about gender stereotypes later too, but I got a lot of, oh, cute, apparel brand. Uh, you don't actually expect to win this competition. And if there is one thing about me and one thing about a lot of entrepreneurs, you tell us we can't do something and the fire is 
fueled. Um, that is something to me that if someone says I can't do something, I'm ready to go and prove you wrong. Um, so we ended up actually winning the fan favorite award. Um, oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, in that competition. And that secured our initial seed funding, which was super excited. I was like, all right, this is this means something is happening here. People are because it was an award that was voted on by the audience, you know, you had an idea that registered with the audience. Um, So that was February, 2020. A month later, COVID hit in March, 2020. And we had spent months building all of this fantastic momentum that then was just gone overnight. Mm -hmm. It was just gone. Um, And I spent, you know, the next couple of months trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces, how to keep growing, what, what to do. And in the meantime, I graduated from college. I moved up to DC. I got engaged. So there was a lot happening all at once. Um, But it surely was, it wasn't a straight path at all. It was very, very complicated and confusing. Yeah. So aside, aside from the pandemic, what were some of the big hurdles that you had to come as you were navigating that? So as things were shutting down, I mean, manufacturers shut down, workers were laid off. Like, what did that look like for your business? It was a mess. I mean, you hit it spot on. Manufacturers did not know how to continue operating. Um, you know, supply chains were severely messed up. People were losing their workers. Um, it was a very, very traumatizing time for those businesses. And then here I was, a little startup company trying to get someone to ultimately take a chance on us. And when their margins, I mean, when they were already not making money and they weren't sure what to do and they didn't know what was happening and why would you want to take a chance on a small company? Um, and that's when I learned very, very quickly how to become an advocate for myself and my company. And I made them understand the value. Um, and of course, you know, reached out to a hundred people, 80 probably said no, but we finally got one to say yes. Um, and we took advantage of it and we said, all right, here we go. Let's, let's make the most of it. Um, but during that time as well, we went from a team of five to a team of two. Um, so everyone was kind of, you know, exploring their own path, trying to figure out what to do. So there was that change as well with, you know, entrepreneurship's really hard and not everyone wants to be a part of it. And that's okay. But just trying to figure out how can we continue to grow in a very, very weird time. Right. So I love that you mentioned that you had to become like the person who vouched for you. Like you had to believe in yourself. You had to step up. What were some of the things that you did? Like, how did you in such a time of hardship kind of center yourself and say, no, like, I believe in this, I'm going to do this, even after receiving so many no's, because I know that that is something that entrepreneurs face on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was so, so hard. And I feel like, too, it might be a female thing, it might be an entrepreneurship thing, but imposter syndrome is a very real thing. And I struggled with it a lot. I had a lot of the internal doubt of why me? Why why should I do this company? Why should I leave this company? But again, it was such a, a, it was an endeavor for me. I wanted apparel for myself. And then I met a community of women who wanted it for themselves. So that fueled me each and every day. It's like, I was like, well, I really want this dress. And hey, so does this woman in Minnesota who is just absolutely incredible. And she's told me her story and now I bonded with her and I want to make it happen for her too. So it really was, First and foremost, before we even had apparel, we were a community. 
and a community mm-hmm. brand, sharing our stories and supporting each other. And that's continued to grow as the companies begin to grow. I mean, there are people who followed us on social before we even had a single product and were messaging us saying, hey, I need this product. Hey, where is it? And they were holding me accountable. So I was like, it's not just for me now. It is for a whole community looking for change. And that is incredible fuel. Yeah. So thinking about that community, what were some of the things that you did to kickstart it? Like, did you just tell people about what you were doing? Were you sharing? I know you mentioned you were sharing your story. How did you get so many people involved? Yeah, the community happened so organically, which I'm so incredibly thankful for because I started, you know, reaching out in Facebook groups to people. And then those Facebook groups ended up turning into direct messages, which ended up turning into follows on Instagram, which turned into Facebook or um wine nights over FaceTime, uh, getting to know people even more. But I, at the end of the day, I love connecting with people. That is something that gives me so much just like happiness is connecting with people and making them feel heard and seen and loved. And that's really what it was. It was during COVID where everyone was kind of struggling a little bit uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, all of the above. And I just wanted to be there for people. So it really grew organically. And then the brand kind of followed that same guidelines. Very, very cool. Oh, I love it. I'm loving this story (laughs) so far. So I know that you mentioned, you know, previously that a lot of what you received were no's. Were there any no's that you were able to turn into yeses? And what did that look like? Yeah. Originally, the manufacturer, I got to say yes. They said no to us. Um, And I was annoying. (laughs) And I just kept reaching out. And I was like, we're ready to go. I have the patterns ready to go. I have the fabric ready to go. I can have it to you in 48 hours. We're going to make this happen. And they said, all right. I was like, I gave you all of the puzzle pieces. You have absolutely nothing to say no to. But they originally did tell us no because of all those obstacles and hurdles that were going on. But I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to work with you. This is how it's going to go. Thank you. Cool. Two thumbs up. But it was very hard for me to originally do that because I'm not a pushy person. But I really had to advocate for our brand and what I knew we could do and provide. I I really love that you share that because I also feel very similarly where like I don't feel like a pushy person and I get sometimes nervous when, you know, you come up against that. No. So I love that you were like, Mm-mm. no, I believe in this so much. My community believes in this so much. Like we are absolutely going to make this happen. I'm going to make it easy for you. I am providing everything you need. All you have to produce that produce is what's in that factory. So Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super funny because that's not something I naturally do for myself, but I've learned to do it for the brand and in turn also do it for myself. So it's been a very interesting personal growth experience as well. So I was like, why yeah. am I not fending for myself? Why am I not advocating for myself? Like, who am I trying to please? I mean, come on. So it was a lot of personal growth that happened along the same times. Was there anything that you were doing during that process to like continue practicing? Like, were there any techniques or something that you would recommend other entrepreneurs and just individuals in general who need to speak up for themselves more and believe in themselves more? Like any, any tips I'm over here, like pen and paper. (laughs) I think a huge thing is to always have like, 
I always like to have my statistics like next to me so I can like pull those out. Cause in those times of doubt where I'm like, oh my gosh, am I that good? Am I good at doing this? Am I doing whatever, whatever it may be having like, yes, I took pre-college courses at the Laboratory Institute of Merchandising in New York City. I went to Virginia Tech and I majored in communication studies with a minor of dress culture and society, which is their fashion merchandising. Just reminding yourself of those things has so much power because I feel like a lot of what I do on a daily basis is putting myself outside my comfort zone and having those statistics there. So like having our sales numbers, having our ambassador numbers, that helps me remind myself of the value I'm bringing to the table. Whereas if I don't have it written down and I'm in a conversation where someone is challenging me, I would I probably close down if I didn't have that. And if I didn't, you know, remind myself every single day that what I'm doing is providing value and is and is creating something. So it's it's a constant battle. It's definitely not something that, you know, I just woke up one day and decided I'm confident. I got this. It it is a daily daily reminder of, you know, you bring something to the table and I don't know, I would just always remind people to remind yourself of your value um because you are in this position for a reason. And I remind myself of that. I am in this position for a reason. And no, I won't do everything perfectly. And I mess up daily, but I learn from it daily and I'm ready to pivot and keep growing. So good comes of it. I love it. I love it so much. So previously, you know, you had mentioned the competition that you were in and you had brought up gender stereotypes. I'd love to talk a little bit more about this as a female entrepreneur myself. I know that there are additional hurdles that we have to overcome on this journey. And so I'd love to hear some of the ones that you have experienced that way. Any of the listeners can also be like, oh my gosh, like, thank God I'm not alone. Um, and can maybe learn from your experience as well. Yeah. The gender stereotypes, especially in apparel are there 24-7. I know when I'm pitching the idea, I get questioned a lot more than I think my male counterparts do. Um, You know, when we were originally pitching, I had a meeting that I was going into and with my team at the time, and it happened to be me and two male team members. And we went into the room and I sat down, I opened my laptop, I opened a Google Doc because I have to take notes. I'm one of the people that I have to take notes or else I will forget because my mind is racing and going in a million different directions. I opened my laptop and the mentor turned to me and said, oh, are you the secretary for this meeting? Um, Oh, no. (laughs) And I felt so small. I felt so small. And I turned to him and I said, no, I'm the CEO. And then I was kind of silent for the rest of the meeting because I didn't know what to say. And I also have no interest in like preaching my value to someone who doesn't want to hear it. And I don't think it was an intentional thing, but I think the fact that I walked in with two guys and he was asking questions and the guys were answering them. And one was just saying answers that were just completely wrong. I was like, that's no, that is not what we're building. That's not what we're going. But I didn't feel like I had a voice to correct it because I was so surprised and I, I was not expecting it. Um, But he was also the same one who said to us, you don't plan to win this competition, do you? And I was like, you, sir, just said the wrong thing. And, you know, I used it as fuel. And I mean, things like that happen all the time for women. But I also want to remind people that 
that is just such a small occurrence in comparison to all the incredible people out there who want to support you and want you to succeed. So not to focus on those moments, but to say, all right, someone doesn't get it. Are we going to make them get it? Or are we just going to move on and remember our value and, and look towards the positives instead? But I mean, all the time I get questions on things, even people asking, well, why did you design it this way? I'm like, sir, you're not wearing the product. Your wife is, or like maybe one of our male products you are, but like, you're not going to understand the neckline on this dress and how it allows women with bigger cleavage to be able to wear it comfortably, like with a bra, you're not going to understand that. And that is okay. But then I'm also not going to take feedback from you because it might be skewed in a way that's not beneficial. Um, so, I mean, all the time we get stuff like that, but it's, it's teaching myself what to listen to and what to cast aside. I think you bring up such a good point about the feedback and really learning what feedback you want to take and what feedback you're going to choose to let go of. I feel like starting mm-hmm. out, especially, you know, you mentioned the imposter syndrome that it's really easy to feel like you have to take everybody's feedback and change every little yeah. item about your business. Um, but you don't. You don't, you get to choose because again, you're, you're the CEO, you're the person who is running the business, you're spearheading it. You get to make that choice. And so I love that you brought that point up because it's something that I feel like I oftentimes have to remind myself as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that's totally a natural thing. I mean, especially when you're starting out, you want to take that feedback and you want to make everyone happy. And when you're getting customer feedback and they want to see a certain product, do you want to be everything to everyone? And I mean, there's a very famous quote that says, when you try and be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing. And that's kind of what I had to continue reminding myself was that, yes, I want to make everyone happy. But if I listen to all the feedback, I might not be serving anyone at that point. So it's kind of a pick and choose situation, but feedback is definitely something I had to learn how to not take too personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not a personal attack. It's, it's business advice. Um, and that was kind of hard for me because I am a people pleaser and I am also like a very type A high achiever. <laughs> um, so whenever I get, you know, negative feedback, I'm like, Hmm, that kind of hurt my feelings. But then you learn that it's not a personal attack and you you use it for growth instead of, you know, feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Well, as as you were talking about, you know, looking back at that woman who walked into the room and sat down with her computer and was was assumed to be the secretary and then where you are now, if you could go back in time, is there anything that you would tell that woman? <laughs> I would tell her to set her laptop down, say, no, I'm the CEO and I'd like to start this meeting now. And here are our numbers and here are our analytics and here's how I've grown this company. I mean, I would just tell her to believe in herself more because because it was such a new thing and because I was kind of, you know, still in that college bubble, I wasn't really used to putting myself out of my comfort zone that much that it would get easier, that Mm. these kind of opportunities get easier the more you practice them. And I think now if that happened to me, I don't think I would be phased. I would just continue doing my thing and I wouldn't really care, which is very, very funny because I mean, that's just three years time in there. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I am like getting goosebumps. This is such, (laughs) such a good story. 
I know that, you know, we've talked a lot about the entrepreneurial journey and I know that we're running out of time, but I really want you to also tell us a little bit more about sun safety. I mean, that is what your brand is all about. It is something that all of us could learn from entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs. So tell Mm -hmm. us, you know, maybe what are some things that we could be doing to better protect ourselves um, on the reg, you know, not just when we go to the beach, but when we're going outside on a regular basis. Yes. And thank you so much for allowing me to talk about this because I am a huge sun safety nerd and everyone needs to take accountability and take charge of their skin health. Because what we always like to say is skin cancer does not discriminate. Anyone can get skin cancer and everyone needs to wear sunscreen. Um, You know, it always kills me when I see people you know, in tanning beds or roasting out in the sun. I mean, you cannot do those things. And it's really about knowing your risks and knowing what to do and knowing that going and getting a skin check is not a scary thing. It's the same as, you know, your annual doctor visits where if you catch skin cancer early, excuse me, (laughs) if you catch skin cancer early, it is 99% treatable. So it is so important to know your risks head on. You know, if you have a family member who's had skin cancer, you need to know that and you need to tell that to your doctor. If you use tanning beds, you need to tell that to your doctor. Um, If you got more than three really bad sunburns when you were growing up, you need to tell that to your doctor. And it is not a scary thing. I mean, it's certainly not a glamorous thing, but it's something that is the reality. Um, And, you know, wear sunscreen every single day in the summer, in the winter, when it's cloudy, when it's rainy, every single day you should be wearing sunscreen. And thankfully, there are so many products on the market. I mean, of course, I love our products, but so many sunscreen brands as well that feel like nothing on your skin that are relatively affordable. I mean, there are so many things that you can choose, but it is really just educating yourself and being aware on your risks and kind of when you take charge of it, it becomes less scary is what I have found. Mm. And that makes sense, right? I mean, same with entrepreneurship. Once you decide to take charge, it's less scary. Same with your skin. Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. But I would say, you know, the right sun safety products are the ones that you love and want to wear. I think some people are trying to tell you, you know, the best sunscreens this and the best UPF brands are this. And of course, I want you to choose our apparel, but at the end of the day, I just want you to choose something to keep you safe. And of course, Mm -hmm. I think ours are the best, but (laughs) I just want you to choose something to make sure that you're staying safe. And also knowing that, you know, it is not an older person's thing. You know, we had our very first LUV ambassador was diagnosed with melanoma when she was 19 years old. Wow. So it is, it's something that's affecting women and men younger and younger. I mean, we are partners with the Claire Marie Foundation um, that is set up in the honor of Claire who lost her life to melanoma and she was in high school. She was really young. Um, So it's something that people need to be aware of, not to scare them, but just to know, just to know. Um, And then you know, be their best advocates to take care of themselves because you want to be around for a long time. Right. Well, Erica, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience before we hop off of here? I've had 
an amazing time chatting with you. I feel like I've learned a lot, especially about, about skincare and, and protecting myself in the sun. I will admit I do not wear sunscreen all the time, but I will be changing that. So anything else you want to share? I would say that if this conversation has resonated with people, please reach out. Um, you know, our website is lowultraviolet.com. Our Instagram is at lowultraviolet. If you DM us, I will personally see that and respond to it. Um, I love connecting with people. So if you want to chat, reach out to me and I want to chat with you too. I love it. Well, you heard her, everyone. That is where to find Erica. And then is there anything you want to promote before we hop off of here? Yep. So you can shop all of our products at lowultraviolet.com. And we also have a podcast of our own called The Ultraviolet Tide, um, where we talk to skin cancer advocates. We talk to dermatologists. We talk to skin care gurus, um, all of the above. So if you want to learn a little bit more about skin health, but in a fun way, uh, definitely tune in. Awesome. And I will add all this information to the show notes. That way it's really easy to go ahead and click through and connect with Erica. So thank you again, Erica. I will chat with you later. Thank you so much for having me.